0: Welcome to the myth, legend, and lore podcast. The Saga of Frithiof the Bold, an adaptation from the 1875 translation by Eric Magnuson and William Morris, and the 1901 translation by Rasmus B. Anderson. Chapter 1 of King Beli, Thorstein Viking's son, and their children. King Beli ruled over Soenfilke. Three children had he, Helgi was his first son. Hafton his second, and Ingeborg was the name of his daughter. She was fair of face, possessed much wisdom, and the foremost of the king's children. A strand went west of the fjord, and upon it a great stead called Baldur's Meads. A place of peace was there, and a temple, surrounded by great wooden posts. Many gods were there, but among them all, Baldur was the most favoured. So envious were the heathen men of this place that no hurt would be done there to neither man nor beast, and no man was permitted to have dealings with a woman there. Seerstrand was where the king resided, but on the other side of the fjord was Fornes, where Thorstein Viking's son dwelled. Thorstein had a son named Frithiof. He was the tallest and strongest of men, and more possessed of ability than any other man. Frithiof the Bold he was called, and so adored was he, that all prayed for his good fortune. When the king's children were young, their mother died. A good bondee of Song was called Hilding. He was given the task of fostering Ingeborg. She was reared well and with care. It so happened that Frithiof was also fostered by Hilding, thus becoming Ingeborg's foster-brother. And they too were unrivaled among all other children. As King Belly began to age, his properties began to ebb fast away from his hands, but Thorstein ruled over the third part of the realm, and in him lay the king's greatest strength and ally. Every third year Thorstein feasted the king at no small cost, and the king was to host Thorstein the two years between. From his youth, Helgi Belly's son made offerings to the gods and yet neither he nor his brother were cared for much. Thorstein owned a fine ship called Elidi. It pulled fifteen oars on either side, and was well constructed like an ocean-going ship, and his bullocks were clamped with iron. It is said that Frithiof was so strong, he pulled two oars of Elidi. Either oar was thirteen ells long, and took two men pulled elsewhere on board. Because of Frithiof's abilities, the king's sons became envious, for they received far less praise than he. At this time, King Belé became gravely ill. When he had but a few breaths left, he called his sons to him and said, This sickness will bring me to mine end. Therefore I bid you this, that you too hold fast to these old friends I have had. For it seems to me in all things you fall short of that father and son, Thorstein and Frithiof. Surely, both in good counsel and in hardihood, a mound you shall raise over me. And with these final words, Belly died. It was not long after this that Thorstein fell sick. He spoke to Frithiof and said, Kinsman, I ask this of you. Bow your will before the king's sons for their dignity's sake. Yet does my heart speak goodly things to me concerning your fortune. Now I will be laid in my mound overlooking King Belly's mound, down by the sea on this side of the fjord, where we might cry out to each other of tidings drawing near. Then Thorstein departed and was laid in his mound as he had asked and Frithiof took on the land and properties after him. Bjorn and Asmund were Frithiof's foster brethren. They were both large and strong men. Chapter 2 Frithiof worth Ingeborg of those brethren It was not long until Frithiof became the most famed of men and the bravest in all things attempted by men. Frithiof held Bjorn His foster brother in the highest regard, though Asmund served them both equally. Upon Thorstein's death, Frithiof inherited the ship Elidi, and a gold ring of which there was none other so precious in Norway. It was said by many that Frithiof was so magnanimous a man that he was a man of no less honor than the sons of the king. Because of this, they felt only hate and enmity. It weighed upon them that he was called greater than they. Furthermore, they became aware that Ingeborg, their sister, and Frithiof were of one mind together. The time came when the brother kings were to feast at Frithiof's home at Fornes, and there he treated all his guests with more generosity than they were worthy of. Ingeborg was there, and she and Frithiof talked long together, and the king's daughter said to him, You have a good gold ring. That is true, said he. Tis fact was not missed by Ingeborg's brothers, and greater grew their hatred of Frithiof. A short time later, Frithiof became heavy of mood, and Bjorn, his foster brother, asked him why this was so. He said he had it in his mind to woo Ingeborg. For though I be lesser in name, I am not inferior to them. Even so, let us go to them, said Bjorn. The kings were sitting on their father's mound when Frithiof greeted them well and requested the hand of their sister, Ingeborg, the daughter of Beli. The kings said, You show us poor wisdom in asking. You ask us to give her to one lacking in dignity. We refuse your request without question. To which Frithiof said, Then my errand here is done, but in return you shall never have my help again, though you might be in dire need of it. They said they cared not, and so Frithiof departed, and found his sombre mood vanished, and felt joy once more. Chapter 3 Of King Ring and Those Brethren There was a king named Ring, who ruled over Ringrealm, was also in Norway. He was a mighty folk king and a great man, but he was now advancing in age. He said to his men, Lo, I have heard the sons of King Beli have severed their friendship with Frithiof, who was surely the most noblest of men. And so I will send men to these kings and give them a choice submit them to me and pay me tribute, or I will bring war upon them, and I believe I will easily take them but they have neither might nor wisdom to withstand me. It would honour me greatly to overcome them in my old age. And so the messengers of King Ring sought out those brothers, Helgi and Hafton, and told them this. King Ring orders you to send him tribute, or else he will war against your realm. They answered and said they would not learn in the days of their youth, but they would be unwilling to know in their old age, namely to serve King Ring with shame. No, we will gather all men we can find. And so they did, but found their army was too small, and they sent Hilding to Frithiof to ask him for aid against King Ring. Frithiof was engaged in a game of chess when Hilding came to him and said, Our kings send you greetings, Frithiof, and ask that you aid them in battle against King Ring who comes against their realm with violence and wrong. Frithiof made no answer to Hilding, but said to Bjorn with whom he was playing. An open place there, foster brother, and no way for you to amend it. I shall take the red piece there and see if it can be saved. Then Hilding spoke again. King Helge bade me say this much, Frithiof, that you should go on this journey with them or suffer at their hands when they return. A double game, foster brother, said Bjorn, and two ways to escape. Frithiof said, Then I would be wise to take the knave first, though the game is sure to be. No other outcome of this errand had Hilding. He returned to the kings with haste, and told them Frithiof's answer. They asked Hilding what he made out of those words. He said, When he spoke of the open place, he thought, in my opinion, of leaving his place in your expedition open. But when he pretended to attack the red piece, I think he meant your sister, Ingeborg. Watch her, therefore, as well as you can. But when I threatened him with severe treatment from you, Bjorn considered it a choice between the two. But Frithiof said the knave must be attacked first. And by this, he meant King Ring. The brothers prepared to depart, but before they left, they led Ingeborg take eight women with her to Baldur's Meats, saying Frithiof would not be so mad as to go meet her there, and none would risk injury there. The brothers went south to Yadar and met King Ring. Now. What made King Ring so furious was that the brothers had said they considered it a shame to fight a man so old he could not mount his horse unaided. Chapter 4 Frithiof Goes to Baldur's Meats As soon as the kings had departed, Frithiof dressed in his robes of state and placed the gold ring on his arm. Then the Foster Brothers went down to the sea and launched a lady. Bjorn said, Where are we sailing to, Foster Brother? To Baldur's Meads, said
1: Frithiof, to be glad with Ingeborg.
0: Bjorn said, It is unwise to anger the gods. Well, it shall be risked this time, said Frithiof, And besides, Ingeborg's favour means more to me than that of Baldr. Therewith they rode over the fjord, and went up to Baldr's meats, and to Ingeborg's bower, and there she sat with eight maidens, and the newcomers were eight also. But when they came there, all the place was hung with cloth of pall and precious webs. Then Ingeborg rose and said, Why are you so overbold, Frithiof? to come here without the consent of my brothers and risk the wrath of the gods. Frithiof said, Howsoever that may be, I believe your love to be of more account than the wrath of the gods. Ingeborg answered, Then I welcome you here, you and your men. Then she made a place for him to sit beside her and drank with him the best of wine, and so they sat there, and made merry together. Then Ingeborg saw the goodly ring on his arm, and asked him if that precious thing were his own. Frithiof said it was, and Ingeborg did not hide her admiration of it. Then Frithiof said, I will give you this ring if you swear never to part with it, or give it to another, but to return it to me when you no longer have a care to keep it. And with it we shall pledge our love and loyalty. To each other. And with this pledge of love and loyalty, they exchanged rings. And from then on, Prithjof went to Baldur's Meads at night, and every day in between, to spend a while with his love, Ingeborg. Chapter 5 Those Brethren Come
1: Home Again It should now be told
0: what became of the brothers and King Ring. Well, they found themselves outnumbered by the king's forces, and the men were sent between them to find some agreement of peace so that battle could be avoided. The terms of King Ring were such that he would have Ingeborg's hands in marriage, and the brothers would submit to his rule, as well as one-third of their possessions. To this the brothers consented for they realised they had no hope in overwhelming the forces of their foe. Peace was secured by oaths, and the wedding was to take place in song, when the king came to look upon his betrothed. The brothers made for home with their folk, ill content with things as they stood. But Frithiof, when he thought the return of the brothers was nigh, said to the king's daughter, So well and handsomely have you treated us and no anger have we drawn from Baldur. But when your brothers return, spread the sheets of your bed in the hall of the goddesses, that is the highest of all dwellings in this place, so that we might see it from our stead. The king's daughter said, You have not done as other men would do in this matter. Surely we will welcome you as friends when you come to us. So Frithiof went home, and early the next morning he left the hall. Upon his return he sang, I must tell our good men that over and done are our fair journeys. No more aboard ship shall we be going, for there are sheets spread out a bleaching. When they went out, they saw the hall of the goddesses was all thatched with white linen. Bjorn said, Now the kings are home. We have but a little while to sit in peace, and it seems to me it would be wise to gather our folk together. So this was done, and many men flocked to meet them. It was not long before the brother kings heard of the ways of Frithiof and Ingeborg and of the gathering of men. King Helgi said, It is a wonder to me that Balder bears the shame of Frithiof and our sister. Now we shall send our messengers to him and hear what atonement he has to offer us, for he will be driven from this land for we lack the men and strength to fight with him. Hilding, their foster father, bore the king's errands to Frithiof and his friends and spoke these words. This atonement the kings will have of you, Frithiof, is that you go gather the tribute of the Orkneys, which has not been paid since Beli died, for they need the money. They are to give Ingeborg their sister in marriage and much of their wealth with her. Frithiof said, This only thing urging us to peace, the goodwill of our departed kin, but no trust will those brethren show us. But this condition I make, that our lands be left in peace while we are away. So this was promised, and bound by oaths. Then Frithiof prepared for the voyage, with eighteen men considered brave and good. His men asked him if he would not go to King Helgi and make peace with him, and pray to Baldr that he might be freed from wrath. But he answered, Know this. I swear I will never pray Helgi for peace. Then he went aboard Elidi, and they sailed out along Songfjord. When King Haftan was made aware that Frithiof and his men had departed, he spoke to Helgi and said this, our rule would be all the better if Frithiof paid for his wrongdoings. Let us burn his hall and deliver such a storm on the sea to him and his men that will be the end of them. And Helgi agreed that this should be done. They burned the hall at Fornes after taking anything of worth. Then they sent for the witch wives, Hed and Hamglom, and gave them what was due, to raise a storm against Frithiof and his men. That was so mighty and fierce, every life aboard would surely perish. This was done on the Witch Mount with songs of spells and sorcery. Chapter 6 Frithiof sails for the Orkneys. A great wind and storm descended as Frithiof and his men came out of the Siong fort. The sea was treacherous, but the ship Elidi braved the waves and swiftly, for she was well built. And the finest ship that had ever sailed. So now Frithiof sang. Oft let I swim from song, my tarred ship sooty-sided, When maids sat o'er the meathorn, Amidst of Baldur's meadows. Now, while the storm is wailing, Farewell, I bid you maidens. Still shall ye love us, sweet ones, Who a the sea fill. Said Bjorn. It would serve you better to find something else to do than sing songs about Baldur's meadows. I shall sing a while yet, said Frithiof. Then they bore north to the sounds near the isles called Solendir, and here the tempest pressed them hard. Then sang Frithiof. Now is the sea a-swelling, and sweepeth the rack onward. Spells of old days cast o'er us, make the ocean all unquiet. No more shall we be striving mid storm the wash of billows, but Solindeer shall shelter our ship with ice-beat rock walls, And so they lay under the shelter of the isles called Solinde, and they were of a mind to stop there, but the wind fell, and their voyage seemed once more to be hopeful to them, though the wind was calm awhile, it soon began to quicken again, then sang. Frithiof, In days foredone from Forna's strand, I rode to meet Maid Ingeborg. But now I sail through chilly storm, and wide away my long worm drippeth. Now that they were out in the open sea, the wind whipped, and the sea became frenzied. A great snowstorm arose, so thick they could see neither stem nor stern, and water poured over the ship, so that every man had to bail endlessly. And Frithiof sang, the salt waves we see not a seaward drive we ever before the witch-wrought weather. We, well-famed king's defenders, here are we all standing, with all sullen hold down. Eighteen brave lads a-bailing black a-lady to bring home. Said Bjorn. Fortune needs be with him fares this far. That it be, foster brother, said Frithiof and sang withal. Helgi it is that helpeth the white-head billows waxing, cold time unlike the kissing in the close of Baldur's meadow. So it is the hate of Helgi to that heart's love she giveth. Oh, would that I held her, gift high above all giving. Maybe, said Bjorn, she is looking higher than where you are now. What matter when all is said? Now, now is the time to show what men we are, though better it would be to rest in Baldur's meadows. They put themselves to work, for they were the bravest of men in the finest ship of the Northlands. But Frithiof sang a stave. So come in the West Sea, not see I the billows; the sea water seemeth as sweeping of wild fire. Topple of rulers, toss the hills swan white, or a steep of the wave hills. Elidi wallows. Huge waves rolled on the sea, so that all were bailing, but still Frithiof sang. With love moved mouth the maiden, ye pledgeth though I found her. Ah, bright sheets lay bleaching, east there on Brent's the swan loves. Bjorn said, Are you of a mind to think the maids of song will weep tears when you are dead? said Frithiof. Surely that was in my mind. With that a great wave broke over the bow, and water flooded in like a river. But the men were so hardy, and the ship so outstanding, that all were saved. And now sang Bjorn. No widow, methinks, to thee or me drinks. No ring-bearer fair biddeth draw near. Salt are our iron soaked in the brine. Strong, our arms no more, and our eyelids smart sore, Asmund said, It is a small matter that your arms be somewhat tired, for no pity had we from you when we rubbed our eyes each morning, and you rose at dawn to go to Baldur's meadows. Well said, Frithiof, why not sing about it, Asmund? Not I said Asmund. Yet he promptly sang this stave. Sharp work about the sail was when o'er the ship he tumbled, and there was I a working within board against eight bailers. Better it was to bower, bringing the women breakfast, than here to be mid billows, like a lady a baling. You think your help of no less worth than it is? said Frithiof, laughing. But it reveals the thrall's blood in you that you would be serving at a table. The storm blew harder and harder yet, so that those who were aboard Elidi likened the waves to huge peaks and mountains that seemed to break the sea and crash on all sides against the ship. Then Frithiof sang On Bolster I sat, and Baldur's meats erst, and all songs that I could to the king's daughter sang. Now on Ran's bed belike must I soon be lying, and another shall be by Ingeborg's side. Bjorn said, "Great fear lies before us, foster brother. Now dread is crept into your words, which is ill in such a good man as you are." Said Frithiof. Neither fear nor fainting it is, though I sing now of those our merry journeys. Perhaps more has been said of them than need be, but most men would think death surer than life, if they were so bested as we might well be. I answer you with this, said Bjorn, and sang. Yet one gain have I gotten, thou gats not mid thy fortune. For me to play did I make me, with Ingeborg's eight maidens. Red rings we laid together, aright in Baldur's meadow and far off was the warder of the wide land of Hafton. Now, foster brother, said he, we must be content with things as they are. Suddenly the sea struck them once more. With such force, the bulwark was broken, and both the sheets, and four men were washed overboard, and all lost to the waves. Then sang Frithiof. Both sheets are burst in amid great billows. Four swains are sunk in the fathomless sea. It seems to me, said Frithiof, some of us will go now to the house of Ran. It will do us no favours should we not come there in a glorious array. Each man here should have something of gold on him. Then he cut asunder the ring that had been Ingeborg's gift and shared it between all the men and sang this stave. The red ring here I hew me, once owned of Hafton's father, the wealthy lord of Erwile, where the sea waves undo us, so on the guests shall gold be. If we have a need of guesting, meet so for mighty menfolk, Medvran's Hall to hold them. It is not certain we go there, said Bjorn, and yet it may well be so. At this moment. Frithiof and his folk found that the ship had a great way about her. They knew nothing of what lay ahead, for a gloom surrounded them, so that none could see the stem or stern from amidships. And with that, darkness there came a great drift of spray, amid the furious wind and frost and snow and deadly cold. And now Frithiof went to the mast, and there he said to his fellows, I have seen a wondrous thing a great white whale went in a ring about the ship. I believe we are near land, and he is keeping the shore against us. Surely King Helgi has dealt with us in no friendly way, and neither will this messenger be friendly. Furthermore, there are two women on the back of the whale. They have brought the tempest upon us with dark spells and witchcraft. But now, we will do our best to prevail. My fortune or their devilry. So steer your straightest, and I will strike these evil creatures with beams. And so he sang this stave. See I, troll-women, twain on the billows, e'en they whom Helgi hither has sent. Elidi now, whatever her way stop, shall smite the backs of those asunder. So tells the tale that the good ship Elidi was enchanted to know the speech of man. But Bjorn said, Now we see the treason of those brothers against us. Therewith he took command of the tiller, and Frithia caught up a forked beam, ran into the prow, and sang this stave. Ye lady, hail, weep high o'er the billows. Break of the troll-wives brow or teeth now. Break cheek or jaw of the cursed woman, one foot or twain of the ogress filthy. With those words, he drove the fork at one of the skin changers, and the beak of elidi struck the other on the back, and the backs of the witches were broken. But the whale dove into the deep and disappeared, and they never saw him after. The wind fell, but the ship remained waterlogged. So Frithiof called on his men to bail out the ship, but Bjorn said, "There is no more to be done." Do not despair, foster-brother, said Frithiof. It the want of brave men to help while they might, whatever may come after. And therewith he sang a stave. No need, fair fellows, to fear the death day. Rather be glad, good men of mine. For if dreams what ought, all nights they say, I yet shall have my Ingeborg. And so they bailed the ship and found they drew closer to land, and still there was the flaw of wind in their teeth. So then did Frithiof take two oars and rowed with might, and as the weather cleared, they saw they had come out to Iffia's sound, and there they made land. The crew were beyond weary, but so resilient a man was Frithiof that he bore eight men ashore, Bjorn bore two, and Asmund one. Then sang Frithio. Fast bear I up to the firelit house, my men all dazed with the drift of the storm, and the sail moreover to the sand I carried, with the might of the sea. Is there no more to do? Chapter 7 Frithiof at the Orkneys. When Frithiof and his men landed, Jarl Angantir was at Effia. It was his way when he was sitting at the drink that a man should sit watch at the window. From a great horn he drank, and as one was emptied another was filled. Hallward was at watch when Frithiof came ashore and sang this stave. Men I see a bailing amid the storm's might. Six bale on a lady, seven are rowing. Like is he in the stem, straining hard at the oars, To frithy off the bold, the brisk in battle. And when he had drank the last drop from the horn, He cast it out the window, Turned to the woman who poured the drink, and said, Take up from the floor, O fair going woman, The horn cast down, drunk to its end. I behold men at sea, Who storm-beaten shall need help at our hands, Ere the haven they make. Jarl Angintir heard Hallward's song, so he asked what had stirred Hallward, and the reply was this. Men have come ashore, weary yet brave lads, I think. One of them is so hardy he carries the others to dry land. Then said the Jarl, Go and meet them, welcome them, and if this be Frithiof, the son of Hersir Thorstein, who was my friend, and he is a man famed far and wide for all his prowess. There was a man named Atli, a great viking, who now chose to speak. Now it shall be proven that Frithiof has sworn never to be the first in craving peace from any man. With Atli there were ten men, all evil and outrageous and the worst kind, who often became berserkier. When they met Frithiof, they took to their weapons, and Atli said, Turn this way, Frithiof. As eagles fight claw to claw, so shall we. Let us see if you hold to your word, and not crave first for peace. So Frithiof turned to meet them, and sang. Nay, nay and not, now shall ye cow us. Blenching hearts, Isle abiders, alone with you ten the fight I will try, rather than pray for peace at your hands. Then Hallward spoke. The Jarl wills that you are made welcome. None will insult you here. Frithiof replied, saying that he would take it with a good heart, that he was prepared for either peace or war. They were taken to the Jarl, who made Frithiof and all his men most welcome. And there they stayed for the winter, and were held in high regard. And often the Jarl would ask about the voyage. So Bjorn sang. There bailed we, white fellows, watched over and over on both boards by billows. For ten days we bailed there, and ate thereunto. The Jarl said, It is an evil king who has vexed you, and used wizardry to overcome men. But I know, said Angantyr, that you have been sent to gather tribute, and King Helgi will have nothing from me. But to you I give a fee to call what you wish. And do with it whatever you have a mind to. And so, with a nod, Frithiof said that he would take the fee. Chapter Eight, King Ring wedded Ingabjork. It shall now be told of what came to pass in Norway in the absence of Frithiof, the brother kings burned all at Fornes, and when the weird sisters were at their work on their incantations. High upon their witch mount, they fell and both their backs were broken. That autumn, King Ring journeyed north to Song, and a great feast was prepared for his wedding to Ingeborg. How did you come by that ring on your arm? said King Ring to Ingeborg. She replied that her father had owned it, but Ring said, I think not, for that is Frithiof's gift. Take it off your arm straight away. You will lack for no gold when you come with me to Alfheim." Ingeborg had little choice, and so gave the ring to King Helgi's wife, and told her to give it to Frithiof when he returned. Then King Ring departed for Alfheim with his wife, and his love for her was exceeding and great. Chapter 9 Frithiof Brings the Tribute to the Kings it was spring when Frithiof departed the Orkneys, and Jarl Angantyr on good terms, and Hallward went with him. But when they came to Norway, they heard of the burning of Frithiof's stead. When he saw Fornes, Frithiof said, Black is my house waxen now. No friends have been at work here. And he sang withal, Frank and free with my father dead, in Fornes old we drank aforetime. Now my abode, behold, I burn, for many ill deeds the kings must I pay. And then he sought the counsel of his men on what should be done, but they advised him it was his decision. And he decided that the first thing he must do was pay the tribute. And so they rode over the fjord to Searstrand, but they found the kings had gone to Baldur's meets to sacrifice to the gods. So Frithiof and Bjorn made for that sacred place, and ordered Halward and Asmund to break up all the ships they found, both great and small. And this they did. When Frithiof and Bjorn came to the door of Baldur's meats, Bjorn advised his friend to tread warily, as he must enter alone. And Frithiof charged him to keep watch, and sang this stave All alone I go into the stead. No folk I need for the finding of the kings, but cast ye the fire o'er the king's dwelling, if I come not again in the cool of the even. Ah, said Bjorn, well sung indeed. Then Frithiof entered, and saw few folk in the hall of the goddesses, but there he found the kings at their blood offering, sitting and drinking. A fire was there on the floor, and nearby, Sat the wives of the kings warming the gods, while others anointed them. Frithiof approached King Helgi and said, Here's your tribute. With that, he swung the heavy sack filled with silver, with such force towards the face of the king that he smashed two of his teeth, knocking them clean from his mouth. And down Helgi fell from his high seat, quite stunned. But Hafdan got hold of him, saving him from falling into the fire. But then Frithiof sang, Have thee here thy scat, High lord of the warriors, heed that with thy teeth, lest all tumble about thee. Lo, the silver abideth at the bite of this bag here, that Bjorn and I betwixt us have borne thee. There were few men in the room, for drinking was in another place, and as Frithiof made to leave, he saw the ring he had given to Ingeborg, on the arm of Helgi's wife, as she sat warming Baldr by the fire. For Theof seized the ring, but it held fast to her arm, and so he dragged her across the floor, heading for the doorway. But as he did so, Baldr fell from her grasp and into the fire. And as Hafton's wife hastily reached out for the wife of Helgi, so too did the god that she had been warming fall into the fire. Suddenly. All the gods caught fire, for they had been anointed, and the flames ran up to the roof, and the temple was all ablaze. But at last Frithiof retrieved the ring and left. And Bjorn asked him what had come of his going in there. Frithiof held up the ring and sang. The heavy purse smote Helge hard amidst his scoundrel's visage. Lowly bowed Hafton's brother, fell bundling mid the high seat. There Alder fellow burning. But first my bright ring at I, fast from the roaring fire, I dragged the bent crone forward. It is said Frithiof cast a firebrand up onto the roof, so that the hall was all consumed by fire, and therewith sang. stride we toward the sea-strand, and strong deeds set a-going, for now the blue flame bickers, amidst of Baldur's meadow. And from there, they went down to the sea. Chapter 10 Frithiof Made an Outlaw As soon as King Helgi had recovered to some degree, he sent his men after Frithiof with orders to slay him and his men. He said, His life is forfeit, since he did not spare the place of peace. The horn to gather the king's men was blown, and when they arrived, they found the hall still afire. King Hafton went to the hall with them, but Helgi followed after Frithiof and his folk, who, by this time, were aboard ship and lying on their oars. Too late in their pursuit did King Helgi and his men find that all the ships were damaged. They turned back to shore, but some men were lost. Then, so enraged did King Helgi become, that he lost control of his senses, that he bent back his bow, laid an arrow upon the string, and took aim at Frithiof, but drew back so mightily that the bow snapped in two. When Frithiof saw this, he picked up two oars from the deck of Elidi, and pulled them with such force that they both broke, and with that he sang. Young Ingeborg kissed I for time, kissed Belli's daughter in Baldur's meadow. So shall the oars of Elydi break both together, as Helgi's bow breaks. Then the wind began to tear through the fjord, so they hoisted their sail and carried on. Frithiof bade them to work hard, and they pulled at the oars with urgency. As they left Song Fjord, Frithiof sang. Sail we away from Song, e'en as we sailed for time, when the flared the fire all over the house that was my father's. Now is the bale a-burning amidst of Baldur's meadow. But went I as a wild wolf. Well what? I, they, have sworn it. And what shall we do now, foster brother? Said Bjorn. I shall not remain in Norway, said Frithiof. I will learn the ways of warriors and sail a Viking. And so they searched the islands and skerries during the summer, gathering riches and recognition. And when the autumn came, they made for the Orkneys, receiving a warm welcome from Angantyr, And there they wintered. But while Frithiof was gone from Norway, the king saw fit to hold a thing, where they had Frithiof made an outlaw throughout their realms. They took his lands. King Hafton rebuilt the hall at Fornes, making it his home. So too did they rebuild Baldur's Meads, though it took some time to dampen the fire there. The gods had been completely burned, and this offended Helgi the most. It had come at a great cost to ensure Baldur's Meadow, was as it had been before. At Seerstrand did King Helgi sit. Chapter 11 Frithiof fared to see King Ring and Ingeborg. Frithiof gained riches and renown wherever he went. Savage and evil men he slew, but the free men and merchants he left in peace. And for a second time he was called Frithiof the Bold. By now his numbers had grown into a large, well-ordered army of men, and was becoming exceedingly wealthy. But when Frithiev spent three winters on expeditions, he sailed west, steering up the Vic, and made plans to go ashore. All of you should carry on without me this winter, for I am growing weary of warfare, and desire to go to the uplands in search of King Ring. But return for me. I will be here waiting on the first day of summer. Bjorn said. This seems an unwise plan, though it will be done. I would far rather we fear north to Song, and slay both Helgi and Hafton. No, Bjorn, I must find King Ring and Ingeborg, said Frithiof. Bjorn said. It is too great a risk to let you go alone into his hands. Although Ring is somewhat old, he is a wise man, and of great kin. But Frithiof replied that he must have his own way on this matter. And you, Bjorn, will command our company a while. Frithiof travelled to the uplands in the autumn, for he wanted to see the love between King Ring and Ingeborg for himself. He disguised himself with a great cloak, all shaggy, and held two staves in his hands and a mask over his face, so that he appeared exceedingly old. On his way he met herdsmen with labour. He asked them, Where are you from? They answered and said, We are of land, where the king dwells. Then the old man asked, Is King Ring a mighty king? They answered, You look old enough to know what manner of man King Ring is, in all respects. The old man said, that he had been thinking of salt-boiling rather than the ways of kings and took himself off towards the king's dwelling. When there was little left of the day, he arrived at the hall, blinking about as if he were a dotard, and pausing by the doorway. He pulled his hood over his head and hid his face. Then King Ring said to Ingeborg, A man far bigger than other men has come to the hall. The queen replied, That is of little importance here. But the king pulled aside a manservant who stood at the table and said, Go and ask that cowled man who he is, where he came from, and who his kinsman might be. The lad made quickly for the newcomer and said, What is your name, my good man? Where were you last night? Where are your kinsmen? The cowled man replied, You ask questions rapidly, good fellow but have you the skill to understand if I tell of such things? Certainly, said the lad. Well, said the cow beater Thief is my name. With wolf was I last night, and in anger was I reared. The lad hastily made his way back to the king and told him what the newcomer had said. Well done, lad, said the king. Anger, I know it well. It may well be that the man is of a heavy heart, and yet I think he might be a wise man and of worth. Then the Queen said, It is a remarkable thing that you wish to talk with every Carl that comes in here. What is the worth of him then? You know as well as I do, said the King, but I see a man who thinks more than he talks, and carefully looking all about him. With that, the king sent for a man, and the calvator went before the king, bending forward somewhat, and greeted him in a low voice. Then said the king, By what name are you known? And the Calbator answered with a song. Peace thief, they called me, on the prow with the Vikings. But war thief, when, as I said, widows a-weeping. Spear thief, when I sent forth the barbed shafts. Battle thief. When I burst forth on the king, hell thief, when I tossed up small babies, isle thief, when in the outer isles I harried, slain's thief, and I sat aloft over men. Yet since I have drifted with salt boiling carls, needy of help, ere hither I came. Then said the king, From many things have you taken the name of thief then? Where were you last night, and where is your home? The cowl-bearer said, In anger I grew up, but heart drove me here, and my home is nowhere. The king said, Perhaps you have known sorrow a while, yet it may be that you were born in a place of peace. But I think you must have spent the night in the wild wood last night, for no man who dwells near here is called wolf. But when you say you have no home, you must mean your home means little to you, since it is your heart that has driven you here. Then Ingeborg spoke. Go, thief. Find yourself somewhere to spend the night. Or find a place as a guest of the hall. Nay, said the king. I am old enough to arrange a place for my guests. Throw off the cowl newcomer and take a seat by my other hand. You are old and over old, said the queen. You offer beggars a place by your side. Nay, lord, it is not becoming, said thief. Better it were as the queen says. I am more used to sitting among the salt boilers than sitting beside lords. Do as I will, said the king, for I will rule this time. So, Thief cast off his cowl, and underneath his cloak he wore a dark blue kirtle. On his arm was the gold ring. About his waist was a thick silver belt, and from it hung a great purse filled with bright silver pennies. A sword was girt to his side. He wore a fur hood on his head. His eyes were dim, and his face appeared wrinkled. Ah, now things are as they should be, said the king. My queen, give him a good mantle, one that will suit him well. By your rule, my king, said the queen, but I am not certain about this man called Thief. A mantle was placed over him, and sat in the high seat beside the king. But as the queen laid eyes upon the ring, she waxed as red as blood, and yet was unwilling to talk with him. But the king was undaunted and said, a goodly ring you wear on your arm there. You must have boiled salt long enough to earn it. The thief said, It is my inheritance from my father. Ah, said the king, it might well be you have more than that. I would think there are a few salt boilers who are your equals. Unless it is old age that is creeping into my sight. A thief remains there through the winter. For his company was enjoyed, and he was well thought of by all men. He was generous with his wealth, and made merry with the men. And though the queen seldom spoke with him, the king and he enjoyed their time together. Chapter 12 Frithiof Saves the King and Queen on the Ice The saga tells, There came a time when Kingring and the queen, accompanied by many, were to go to a feast. The king said to Thief, Are you to come with us or abide at home? The thief replied that he wished to join them, and the king said, That would suit me well. Thus they departed, and soon had little choice but to cross a frozen lake. Thief turned to the king and said, It seems to me the ice is untrustworthy, and yet we fare unwarily. To which the king replied, It is well observed, you show much forethought concerning us. It was not long after this that the ice began to break beneath them, and Thief ran to their aid, dragging to safety the horses, the sled and all those who were in it, including the king and queen. Then King Ring exclaimed, That was well done, Thief. Had Frithy of the Bold himself been here, he would not have been able to rescue us. There are few men as brave as you. They arrived at the feast, and there is little to be told about that, and the king returned to his home once again, with seemly gifts. Chapter 13 The King Sleeps Before Frithiof Now midwinter began to pass, and spring approached. The weather grew fair, the woods took to blooming, the grass grew, and ships were able to glide once more between lands. One day the king said to his folk, I will that you come with me to the woods, that we may gaze upon the fairness of the earth. So this was done, and a large gathering accompanied the king into the woods. But it so happened that the king and Frithiof found themselves alone together far from the other men, and the king said he was heavy and had a strong desire to sleep. Then said thief, it would be better to return home, my lord. It is unbecoming of a nobleman to lie at rest outside. No, said the king, I won't do that. And laid himself down and slept fast, snoring loudly all the while. Thief sat close by the sleeping king, and drew his sword from his sheath, casting it far away from him. Sometime later the king awoke and said, Was it not so, Frithiof, that many things entered your mind while I slept? But well, you have dealt with them, and so you shall be held in great honour by me. Lo, I knew it was you that first evening, you came into our hall. And you will not speedily depart from us, and I believe a great future lies ahead of you. Frithiof replied, Lord King, you have treated me well and as a friend, but yet... The time approaches when I must leave, because my men will soon arrive, as I asked them to do when last we saw one another. They rode home from the wood. The king's folk crowded around them. One and all they fared to the hall and drank merrily. And it was made known to all who gathered there that the man who had wintered with them had been none other than Frithiof the Bold.
1: Chapter 14
0: King Ring's Gift to Frithiof. Early one morning, there was heard a loud bang on the door of the hall, where the king and queen and many others were sleeping. Then the king asked who it was at the hall door, and this was the reply. It is I, Frithiof. The time has come when I must leave. Then the door was opened and Frithiof entered, and sang this stave. Have great thanks for the guesting thou gavest with all bounty. Died fully for wayfaring is the feeder of the eagle. But Ingeborg, I mind thee, while yet on earth we tarry, live gloriously. I give thee this gift for many kisses. Therewith he cast the ring toward Ingeborg, so that she might keep it. The king smiled at the stave and said, "Ay, it is the queen who receives thanks for your winter quarters, than I. Yet she has not been more of a friend to you than I. Then the king sent for his serving folk, saying they must eat and drink together before Frithiof departed. Arise, queen, be joyful, the king said but she replied she was not of a mind to be feasting so early. Nay, let us all be together now, said King Ring, and this was done. When they had drank a while, King Ring spoke. It is my wish that you would abide here, Frithiof. My sons are but children, and I am old, and not fit for the warding of my realm, if any should seek to bring war upon it. Frithiof said. It is with haste that I must depart, lord, and sang. O live King Ring, both long and hale, The highest king, neath heaven's skirt. Word well, O king, thy wife and land, For Ingeborg now, never more shall I meet. To which King Ring replied, Fear not away, O Frithiof, Thou swift downcast heart. O dearest of chieftains, for now I will give thee, for all thy good gifts, far better things than thou wottest thyself. And again he sang to Frithiof the famous, My fair wife I give, and all things therewith that are unto me. But Frithiof stood and sang, Nay, how from thine hands these gifts may I have. But if thou hast fared by the last way of fate? The king said, I would not give you this had I not thought it would soon be so, for I sicken now. Of all men, I wish it to be you who knows the joy of this, for you are surely the crown of all Norway. The name of king will I give you also, and all this because I believe Ingeborg's brethren would begrudge you any honour and would be slower in giving you her hand as wife than I now do. Then Frithiof said, You have my thanks, lord, for goodwill beyond any I looked for, but I ask for no higher title than to be called a Jarl. Then King Gring gave Frithiof rule over his realm and the name of Jarl therewith. And Frithiof was to rule, until such a time came, when the sons of King Ring were of an age to rule the realm for themselves. King Ring lay sick a little while, and then died. For him, there was a great mourning, and a mound cast over him, and much wealth laid within, according to his bidding. Thereafter, Frithiof held a noble feast, to which his folk came. This was the feast that marked Kingring's burial and celebrated the wedding of Frithiof and Ingeborg. After these things, Frithiof ruled the realm. He was deemed a most noble man, and with Ingeborg his queen, had many children. Chapter 15 Frithiof, King in Song Now, we must speak of those kings of song, the brethren of Ingeborg. For they had heard these tidings, that Frithiof was now a king of Ringrealm, and had Ingeborg as his wife and queen. Helgi said to Hafdan, his brother, that it was unheard of, and an overbold deed, that a mere son should have her as wife. And so they gathered together a mighty army, and made for Ringrealm, with a mind to slay Frithiof, taking his realm for themselves. But when Frithiof learned of their actions, he gathered together his folk, and then spoke with Ingeborg his queen. War has come upon our realm, and now, whatever the end may be, I am glad your ways to me have grown no colder. Hingeborg said, In all things, I look to you above all others. Bjorn had journeyed east, coming to the aid of Frithiof, and so they prepared to fight, and as it had always been, Frithiof found himself where danger was greatest. King Helgi and he engaged in hand-to-hand combat, and there Frithiof slew Helgi. Then Frithiof raised up the shield of peace, and the battle was ended. And therewith he called to Halfdan In each hand you now hold one chance either surrender to my will, or else suffer the bane of your brother. For now many men see that I am the better man. So Halfdan chose to surrender and lay his realm under Frithiof's rule. Now Frithiof was the ruler of Songfilka. And Haftan became a herseer in Song. And to Frithiof tribute was paid. And Frithiof remained the ruler of Ringrealm. And so, Frithiof, son of Thorstein, son of Viking, had the title of king of Songfilka, until the time came when he gave up Ringrealm to the sons of King Ring. And thereafter he won Hordaland also. Frithjof and Ingeborg had two sons, one called Gunthiof and the other Hunthjof, and both of them are remembered as men of might. Here ends the saga of Frithjof the Bull. I hope you have enjoyed the saga of Frithy of the Bold. There are many more legendary sagas for us to discover, but if you have one in particular that you would like to hear, please drop us a line at the Myth, Legend and Lore podcast, either by email mlegendlore at gmail.com, or over on twitter at loremyth. The song at the end of the track is called Culloden, and it came via the phenomenal team at Filmstro. Links will be in the show description. If music is your thing, you might well want to check out the talented musicians who are lending their work to podcasters and many more. Although the track is named after a Scottish place, I felt it lent something to the tale of a loyal and courageous warrior who, in the end, was fortunate enough to find the remainder of his days were spent with the one he loved, and, dare I say it, had not angered the gods over much, in the process of both wooing Ingeborg and being united with her once more. Thank you for joining us today. Take care for now. I'm Siobhan Clark, you've been listening to the Myth, Legend and Lore Podcast.